Hello, and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abena, Farpa, and the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept the gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, Please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servants will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimen to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimen, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. Good morning, church. 
so good to be here this morning. Welcome to you here in person, and welcome as well to our online viewers. Thanks so much to Naomi for doing that Bible reading for us. Naomi is uh, one of our youths within the church, so thank you, Naomi. Uh, I hope you were able to follow along with that scripture. Uh, it's from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 19. The last time that I spoke was in, in February, and I had to record online. That was a bit of a challenge. At that moment, I just realized how blessed we are to have the tech team. Because not only did I have to sort out the lighting, I had to make sure that the camera was at the right angle, I had to make sure that no one's gonna come into the room and disturb me, so I had to tell my family to keep away. And those are the sort of things that you don't worry about when you're in church. So it's, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much to the tech team for all that you're doing for us, staying us connected uh, together here in person and online. Thank you too to everyone who serves here in church. You know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do here at Waypoint Church without our amazing volunteers. Thank you. So, 2 Kings chapter 5. Here we are in the book of Kings. The Bible tells us that there is a man by the name Naaman. Naaman is a commander of the Syrian army. Naaman is in charge of the army. Naaman has got a high-profile job, a prestigious job. But the Bible also goes on to tell us that he was very successful in his career because God had given him the success. He's a pagan, he's a Gentile, but God has given him the success. I know some people struggle with this, that can God also bless the unrighteous? But here in the text, it's not my words, it's here in the Bible. It says, because through him, the Lord had given him victory to Aram. So if you ever wonder whether God blesses the unrighteous, the answer is yes. Why? Because God is sovereign. God is holy. God is mighty. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is in charge, and he decides whether he wants to bless or to curse. It's down to God. But that doesn't mean that he's not in control. He's in control. But then we're also told that despite his success, despite Naaman being the high-profile commander of the army. He also has leprosy. Leprosy is a skin condition. However, in the Bible, some theologians believe that this type of leprosy that Naaman had, it didn't warrant him to be in isolation because leprosy is infectious. But at this point in time, it appears as though Naaman is not in isolation. So it's not, it doesn't appear to be the same type of leprosy that is mentioned in Leviticus 13, 
where the Bible tells us that if you have leprosy, you have to self-isolate and then come out when you're clean. But most theologians have debated over this as to what type of leprosy was this? But it appears not to be an infectious leprosy. But however, it's still a condition that affects him. It's still a condition that traumatizes him. It's still a condition that probably hinders him from doing his job to the best of his ability. Prior to this, the Syrian army had gone to Israel because they were the opposition of Israel. They were at war. And what used to happen in those days is when armies are in opposition, the losing army would lose the man, the winning army would kill all the men, they'll take the women away and the children, sometimes they'll even rape the women and take them back with them to their own country. So we are told that there is a servant girl in Naaman's home. The interesting thing is we're not told of her name. The Bible just says there is a servant girl who is working for Naaman's wife. No name, no age, just a servant girl. Isn't that something, church? That the things that we think matter, they don't matter to God. People don't have to know your name for God to use you. This is just a word of encouragement for someone. That perhaps you've got gifts and talents that God has given you, but you seem to be in obscurity, that no one seems to notice you. But if God has given you those talents, he's the same God that will make it happen for you. So we don't know about this young girl's name. If it was down to us, we'd be asking questions like, who are your parents? Do they go to university? Have they got an education? Are they graduates? You come from a rich family, you come from a poor family. Whatever house do you have? You got a flat, you get a four bedroom detached house. All those sort of questions that we ask, they don't matter to God. What matters to God is your heart. The title of this sermon is The Selfless Servant. So it's your heart that matters to God. So this young, young girl, young servant, we are told that she went to Naaman's wife and said, this is in verse 3, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. The servant girl was moved by compassion. She was moved by compassion. Because we, we don't really know what transpired for this girl to end up in, well, we know that she was taken into captive. But we don't know whether she had lost her parents. 
We don't know whether she was raped or not. But just the sheer fact that this young girl was taken away from her family. She was taken away from all that she knew, all that she had, the dreams that she had of growing up in her own neighborhood with her own family. It was all taken away from her. But the Bible tells us that. She went to Mrs. Naaman and said, if only my master would go to Samaria because there is a prophet who can cure him of his leprosy. What is that, church? That's compassion. She was moved by compassion. She wanted to see her master healed. And she knew where the cure was. She knew where the answer was. I don't know about you, but if it was down to me, I'd be like, well, Naaman, it's judgment. You touched the child of God. You took me away from all that I knew, so I'm sorry. I'm not going to tell you anything. But no. This girl was a selfless servant. She was moved by compassion. And as a result, she spoke to Mrs. Naaman. about going to Samaria to the prophet. So what made this girl approach her, her mistress? Because what you got to understand, church, is in that part of the world, people at the bottom, they don't speak to people at the top. It's not like here where you can be all pally-pally with your manager or your boss. But there, there's hierarchy. You have to go through certain channels for you to end up talking to the person at the top. But the young servant girl was able to approach Mrs. Naaman because she had confidence. She had confidence. She had confidence to speak in boldness about the prophet. Sorry, that's the second slide. She had confidence to speak up. Wouldn't it be amazing if we can all have that boldness to speak up? To speak up about what we know. To speak up about our Savior, to speak up about Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing, church, that if we encounter people who've got problems, we know the answer. We know the cure. But for some reason, we don't seem to have the boldness to speak up. But the young servant girl spoke up. What made her have this boldness? What made her have this confidence? You can't give away what you haven't got. She had a relationship with God. Why do I say she had a relationship with God? It's because she knew about the prophet. She knew that the cure was in going to the man of God. The prophet was the man of God. God used prophets God spoke through prophets. He still does. 
but it looks like most of the prophets these days are quiet. We're not getting a prophetic word of what's happening in our nations. But back then, they were a real mouthpiece for God. The real oracles of God. She had a relationship with God. Like I said, you can't give away what you haven't got. If you were to say to me today, right now, Beth, can you give me 5,000 pounds? I can't give it to you. I haven't got it. But if you say, Beth, can you pray for me? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Because that's my lifestyle. That's what I do. So the servant girl was able to speak with boldness and confidence about God. The Jewish culture for the people of God is to train their children in the ways of the Lord. They teach them the Torah. The five books of the laws of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I would like to believe that this servant girl would have known that. She would have known about the story that she's part of. The story about the people of Israel. She would have known about the book of Genesis, the beginning of creation. She would have known about the flood where only people were rescued, Noah and his family, because they believed in God. She would have known that. She would have known about, about Joseph and how Joseph was taken into captivity but ended up being in charge of the country and saving his people. Perhaps this servant girl even saw herself in the shoes of, of Joseph. And that gave her courage that there is hope. That gave her courage that perhaps I am here because God has a plan and purpose, not for me, but for this nation. And out of me, God's glory is going to be revealed. Out of me, people are going to come to know God. She would have known that. She would have known of those stories. Why? Because her parents, her family would have sat down with them at the dinner table, studied the Torah, memorized scriptures. This just challenged me, church. God challenged me as I was studying these scriptures to say, Bev, what have you done as a mom? Do your children know the Bible as well as they should? If your children are out there in the world and they see people suffering from drug abuse, alcohol abuse, all sorts of things tormenting their lives, will they have the boldness to say, I know of a man who can cure you? Have I done my job? I said, Lord, I've tried. Hey, say, you can do better. You can do better. You can do better today. You can do better tomorrow. And this challenge is not just for me, church. Church. This challenge is for you too. You moms, you dads, aunts, uncles, 
brothers, sisters, friends. All of us here have got young people in our lives. Granddads, grandma, granddad. Are you playing your part? in equipping our young people with the word of God. Because it's only the word of God that sets people free, church, amen? Where would we be without the word of God? So the young girl was equipped with that knowledge. She knew the Torah. She knew the story that she was part of. Do we as Christians know the story that we are part of? Do we know each church? I'm just throwing it out there for you. It's just a challenge. It's the word of God, right? If we're not challenged by it, then, then what are we doing? We need to be challenged so that we can grow. We need to be challenged so that we can be equipped with what we need. We serve the creator of the heavens and the earth. We serve a God who is personal. He's not distant. He's closer than we think, closer, closer than we can ever imagine. God is not only interested in world affairs, as we can see here in the book of, of Second Kings about Naaman's story. That yes, Naaman had success, but God is also interested in personal things. God was interested in Naaman's life, about him having the leprosy. So the young servant girl, she was moved by compassion. She had the confidence and the boldness to speak up because she knew the story that she was part of but also she had a godly character. What made Mrs. Naaman listen to this girl? What made Mrs. Naaman go to Naaman and tell him about what the servant girl had said? What made Naaman go to the king and tell the king about what the servant girl had said? It was because of her character. This young girl was a girl who feared God. And as the result of her fearing God, her character was for glorifying and praising God. For us to be heard, we need to work on our characters. This young servant girl, she earned the right to be heard. Her voice was heard. An unknown girl, a slave, but her voice was heard. Her voice was heard in the home where she worked. Her voice was heard by the king. And as a result, the king of Aram released Naaman so that he could go to Israel to go and see this prophet. She earned it. She earned the right to be heard because of her character. 
She was in a pagan world where they worship other gods. But I'd like to believe that this girl didn't take part in that pagan worshiping. She probably didn't turn up to work late. She didn't take a boss's time going on Snapchat. She was at work on time and worked diligently, I would like to think, and served Mrs. Naaman like as though she was serving the Lord. Joyful, cheerful, smiling, regardless of the fact that everything that she had and everything that she knew had been taken away from her. Why? It was because she was a selfless servant. So Naaman goes to the king. He's given a letter so that he can go to Israel. He's also given silver and gold for him to take with him. Chariots, horses, servants. It was a lot of gold. Thank God for Google. I managed to Google how much gold it was because it talks about talents. But in kilograms, it was 90 kilograms of gold. 340 kilograms of silver. Isn't that a lot? And some items of clothing as well that he had to take. Why did the king give him so much gold and so much silver? It's because that is what they used to do there. They thought they could buy their way. They thought they could buy, they could buy the healing from the prophet. But salvation is a free gift. It's a gift from God. You don't have to buy salvation. You don't have to buy healing. For those prophets who charge people for their healing, that's wrong. The anointing is not for sale. It's from God. It's great to support the work of the ministry. So that's why we give our tithes and offerings. So that the work of the Lord can carry on. So we can do great things for the kingdom of God. So yes, churches need money. But not paying for your healing, that is wrong. You don't pay a prophet for your healing. Any prophets who charge for healing, they're false prophets. Keep away from them. I hope that doesn't happen much here in the, in the UK or in the West. But I know where I come from in Africa, prophets charge money. And that's wrong. So Naaman arrives to the king of Israel with this letter to say from the king of, of Aram. Aram is also Syria. If you hear me switching over from the two, Aram is also Syria. So he arrives with a letter from the king of, of Syria to the king of Israel to say, here is my servant, Naaman. He's got leprosy. Can you heal him? And the king does a foolish thing. He tears off his robes, he tears off his clothes, and he starts moaning. He starts crying. He's not sure what to do. And yet this is a man who's got a prophet of God in his nation. 
He doesn't know about, he knows there's a prophet, but he doesn't have enough belief to know that the prophet is the one who can cure because he's a servant of God. And he says, am I God? Can I cure this man? But thank God for Elisha, hallelujah. Elisha came on the scene and said, send this man to me so that he can know that there is a God in Israel. Amen, church? Thank God for faithful servants like Elisha. So Naaman goes to Elisha. He goes with his chariots of horses. He's got his gold. He's got his silver. He's got his whole entourage with him. But Elisha does something <laughs> something, I don't know what to call it really, but he doesn't come out of his house. Bear in mind, this is the commander of the army and where he's at, people lay the red carpet for him. But Elisha doesn't come out of the house. He just sends his servant to say, well, go and tell him to dip himself in the Jordan River for seven times. That's easy, right? But not for Naaman. He's infuriated that how can the prophet not come and meet me? How can the prophet not come and greet me? I'm this important man. I've come with all the silver and gold. And yet he just sends his servant. He, just, he doesn't come and talk to me. He doesn't come and wave his hand on my, on my skin so that my skin can be healed. But Naaman just gives him a simple instruction. Go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times and you'll be healed. I can resonate myself with that. That there are times when I've prayed for something from God. And God speaks through someone with a clear, simple answer. But I'm expecting something elaborate. You know, I'm expecting something out of this world. And so did Naaman. Why? It's because the gospel is simple. The gospel is simple, but we try to complicate it. But the gospel is simple. This was too simple for, for Naaman because he was, he was a man of high profile. He was an educated man. Paul goes on to tell us that the, the, the wise, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the people who don't know him. So he's infuriated. He's like, no way, I'm not doing this. What, Jordan River? The filthy Jordan River? What, me? Dipping myself in there? No, I'm not doing that. But his servant said, Master, if the prophet had told you to do something Greater than that, would you not do it? Thank God for his servants. Because then he came back to his senses. Naaman humbled himself and went and dipped himself in the Jordan River. You see, the issue is not about the Jordan River. The issue is about the one who has sent him to the Jordan River, who is the prophet. The issue is not about the prophets, the issue is about God. 
God is the one who is speaking through the prophet, telling Naaman to go and dip himself in the Jordan River. The issue is about humility. It's about Naaman humbling himself before God. How far are you willing to go to hear from the Lord? How far are we willing to go, church? Are we willing to put our pride down and say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm your servant. I'm your agent. I'm your child. Do what you want to do with me. Are we willing to do that, church? So he dips himself in the Jordan River. He's been given instructions to do it seven times. This is my imagination. My imagination goes wild sometimes. You don't want to be in my headspace. So he dips himself once, comes out. Nothing. Okay, I'll do it again. Twice. Oh, come on. This is not working. Oh, sir, please, please do it. Do it. The prophet said seven times. Do it, sir. Third time. Nothing. Still leprosy. Fourth time. Oh, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this. Come on, y'all. Let's get our chariot and horses. We're going back home. This is not working. No, sir. The prophet said seven times. Fifth. Sixth. Still leprosy. Who does this? Who does this foolish thing? At the seventh dip, When he came out, the Bible tells us that his skin came out like that of a young boy. Hallelujah. Amen, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Seven times is a number of perfection. Seven. The world was created in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. Seven is a number of perfection. Seven, when the Israelites were, called, were told to conquer Jericho, they had to march around the walls of Jericho for seven times. Seven. On the seventh time, Naaman was cured. Naaman was healed of his leprosy. He entered Israel as a sick man with leprosy, but he left Israel as a cured man. He wasn't just cured of his physical illness. Naaman was cured of his spiritual illness. He was cured of his sins, of not knowing God. He was cured. He was not cured just physically, spiritually, but mentally. Can you imagine the anguish that he had gone through suffering from this disease, leprosy? How bad was his leprosy? If you go to the end of this, of this chapter, on verse 27, verse 27 says, Naaman's, okay, so Elisha's servant, Gehazi, I, I would encourage you later on to go and read the whole chapter of, of chapter 5. There's a servant called Gehazi who is Elisha's servant. He goes after Naaman, later on Naaman makes his way home. He goes after Naaman and says, oh, give me the, char- the, the, the gold and the silver because the prophet wants it. But he was lying. So he brought a curse upon himself. 
And chapter, uh, verse 27 says, Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence, and he was leprous, as white as snow. So his whole skin was white. This is how bad this leprosy was. But Naaman was cured. Naaman was healed. Why? Because the servant girl was moved by compassion. She was selfless. She had the confidence to speak up. She was heard because she earned the right to be heard because of her godly character. And she pointed Naaman to the kill. Hallelujah. The climax of this, of this whole chapter is in verse 15. You can forget about everything else that I said, but don't forget verse 15. Here's what verse 15 says. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. Amen. He's a man who's coming from a pagan nation where they worship many gods. This wasn't easy for Naaman to proclaim this church. But he was able to proclaim this. Why? Because his life had been transformed. His life had been transformed. His life had been touched by the power of God. This was fulfilling the promises that God gave to Abraham back in Genesis 12, where he said to him, you're going to be a father of many nations, not just a father of Jews, but a father of Gentiles as well. And this is the story that you and I are part of if you are a child of God. That we are the Gentiles, but because of the love of God, he called us in to come into his family, to be his children. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and I. Why? It was because of the love of God. When you have an encounter with the gospel, you're never the same. When God touches your heart, you never want to go back again. You never want to go back to your old ways. If any one of us here who's got children is asked to sacrifice that child for the world, would you do that? Would you do that, church? Dave, would you do that? Would you sacrifice one of your children for, for us, just for this congregation? Yeah, never mind the rest of the world. I wouldn't either. You're not alone, Dave. But God did that. Why? It was because of love. God loves you. God loves you, church. Whoever you are in here, regardless of what's going on in your life, 
Whether your life makes sense or it doesn't make sense, God loves you. God loves you. That's the reason why he sent his one and only son. He don't have to do anything but believe. Just believing in Jesus. That Jesus is the only way for you to have a relationship with God. That Jesus was born, raised, crucified on the cross, died a horrific death for you and I. But on the third day, he resurrected. He resurrected and he appeared to the chosen few before ascending to heaven. And right now, Jesus is set on the right-hand side of our heavenly Father, making intercession for you and I. Why? Because we matter to God. But the story doesn't end there, church. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back, church. And whilst we are waiting for Jesus to come back, where is going to be so glorious? Where are we going to have a new heaven and a new earth? There's not going to be any pain and suffering. If you're suffering and in pain right now, there is hope. If you know God, there is hope. Hope that is found in Jesus. So what does this mean for us today? Is the story relevant? The story about the selfless servant, is it relevant, church? Is it relevant, Abby? It is relevant. Are we moved by compassion? Where we are at? In our workplaces? In schools? Universities? Colleges? Neighborhood? Social clubs? Golf clubs? I know there are a lot of golfers in here. Are we moved by compassion by the people who are around us, whom we know that they don't know God, that they don't have a relationship with God? You see, we were given a free gift. What we were given, no amount of money can buy it, as we've seen here. Naaman, with all of his money, with his gold and his silver and everything else. He couldn't buy his healing. By the way, I didn't tell you that he offered this gold and silver to Elisha, but Elisha said no. The reason why Elisha said no was because he wanted Naaman to know that this is a free gift from God. And so is salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Whilst we are waiting for Jesus to come back, we've got a job to do, church. It's not enough for us to say, I'll pray for you. I'm guilty for doing this. I skate around prayer. I'll pray for you. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. But why aren't we going the extra mile to say prayer? Yes, prayer is good. 
But how about pointing someone to the cure? How about pointing someone to the cure that heals their soul, and not just their soul, but their physical illnesses, their emotional illness, their mental illness? How about pointing people to Jesus? Because Jesus is the only way. My prayer for you and I is for us to have the boldness, like the servant girl, for us to have the boldness to speak about Christ to people. But not only that, church, we have to earn it. We have to earn the right for people to hear us. It's not about your name. The servant girl was unknown. It's not about your money. It's not about where you come from. It's not about your color. It's not about your education status. But it's about your heart. Where is your heart at? Do we have godly characters? If we compromise on our lifestyles, the world is not going to hear us. If we are not living lives that glorify God, no one's going to hear us. If we are part of people who disobey God when we are with them, and then come Sunday on the church, we come here, we put our smiles, oh, hello, brother, hello, brother, everything's okay, yes, lovely, lovely. And yet the rest of the week, we're not living to please God, then no one's going to hear us. I used to work as a nurse, as some of you know. And my 16 years in the nursing profession saw me working in different departments, the NHS, the private sector. At one point, I was working as a as a district nurse. And what that meant was reaching out to, to patients who were housebound, patients who couldn't get to the doctor's surgery. And on our books, we had this lady, I'll call her Betty, just for the sake of, of this sermon, Betty. Is Betty a good name for senior citizens? They all seem to be called Betty. <laughs> Betty had, had leg ulcers. They were really, really, really bad leg ulcers on both legs. And her dressings needed to be done every day. It wasn't a quick, easy job. You needed about an hour to be able to dress these legs. And that, that, that's quite hard, church. It wasn't easy. Because usually your average time of spending with a patient, about 15 to 20 minutes, about an hour. On top of that being an hour, you were not allocated time for the hour because there wasn't enough stuff. Abby knows about it, about the shortage of stuff. Not easy, is it, Abby? So we need to appreciate healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, carers, Radiographers, if there are any in here, can we give them a clap, please? They've kept, us, they've kept us going, you know, throughout the pandemic. Everyone in the front line, everyone in the front line. The police officers, teachers, drivers, post ladies, postmen. Let's, let's acknowledge everyone. It's not just about the NHS. We acknowledge everyone. <laughs> Thank you. So whenever you, you'd have Betty on your list, you'd, be, you'd cringe a bit. 
sorry to say this, church, I'm a Christian, ain't I? Not meant to be doing this. But this is, a, this is life. This is the reality of life. This is the reality of day-to-day life. You'll cringe a bit and like, oh, okay, I've got Betty on my list today. Right. But I used to pray when I get to my car. I'll pray. I'll pray for God to give me the strength. I'll pray for God to, to give you the grace for me to love Betty like the way that God loves her. These wounds were not easy to dress. They had this smell, sorry for being graphic, but this smell where I'd go home, I'll still smell it. I'll be having my dinner, I'll still smell Betty's legs. <laughs> True story, when I started praying, I never smelled that. It, it became a true, a, a, a sweet aroma. <laughs> but Betty wasn't very nice. So on top of the dressings being so difficult to do, Betty's not very nice. I remember the first time that I went to see her, she opened the door to me and she said, oh, it's you. I said, yeah, it's me. Well, they told me it's Bev Price was coming. I said, I am Bev Price. Oh, okay, come on then. Prejudice. But the more that I prayed for Betty, the more my affection grew for Betty. I ended up actually asking the team leader to allocate Betty to me. And people were like, are you sure, Bev? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go and see Betty. My love for Betty grew. It changed from her saying, oh, it's you, to, oh, come on, Bev, come in, come in. She changed as well. We kind of like had a bond, we had a special relationship. Now, in my head, my aim was, I need to get this girl to to know the Lord, this young girl, I'll call her girl now. (laughs) I need to get her to know the Lord. How do I do that? And one day when I was dressing her wounds, God gave me this picture of Jesus on the cross. And I felt like as though God was saying to me, if this was Jesus that you were dressing, how would you treat him? How would you treat Jesus? At that moment, my heart sunk. I started crying. And Betty said, are you all right, Bev? I said, yeah, I've got hay fever. <laughs> I didn't want to acknowledge that God had touched me, that I had suddenly become aware of, of my sin, of the way that I had my attitude that I had towards Betty. But that can only be God. And our relationship developed from her asking me, how was your weekend? Ah, perfect opportunity. My weekend was great. I went to church. Oh, you go to church? Yeah, I go to church. Okay. Next time, how was your weekend? Oh, I went to church. It was great. What did they teach you? See, progressing from, oh, it's you, to come in, Bev. What were you doing over the weekend? Oh, you go to church? Great. What did they teach you at church? She wanted to know more about God. 
Nursing is a, a challenging profession, or just the whole healthcare profession is challenging because when you're a Christian, you're not allowed to share your faith. And I'm sure like many other professions, you're not allowed to share your faith. But here I had this opportunity because Betty was asking me what they teach you at church. A door was open. I would have loved to tell you that Betty got saved. But the story didn't end there because I was moved to another team. But I'm glad that I had that encounter with Betty because I managed to share Christ with her. But I had to earn it. I had to earn that right. I had to have that conviction. So church, we have to earn the right to share the word of God with people. The gospel is simple. We complicate it, but the gospel is simple. The gospel is narrow. There's only one way, one way to God, and that's through Jesus. There was only one way for Naaman to be held. That was through the Jordan River because God had spoken the world, the word. Amen, church. Be encouraged. God loves you. God has a plan and purpose for each and every one of us. Whether your name is known or your name is not known. Stop trying to climb over the people at the bottom to try to get to the people at the top. If you think that by getting to the top, then you get what you need, then you get the promise that God has given you. No. The one who's given you the gifts and the talents, he knows you. And that's all that matters. God knows you. God knows you. God loves you. God is a personal God. And he reaches right to the depth of our souls and brings wholeness. Amen? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We lift your name up high, we glorify your name, and we honor your name. For you alone are worthy of all the glory. You alone are worthy of all the honor. You alone are worthy of all the praise. We praise your name, we praise your wonderful name, we praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for us. We thank you, oh Father God, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you, Lord, that we did not deserve it, we didn't earn it, but you sacrificed your one and only son. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you want to see our lives transformed. That you're not only interested in international affairs or national affairs, but you reach down to us, Father. You reach down to us like little toddlers and you get on your knees and get down to our levels to relate to us. We thank you. We thank you for that wonderful privilege of being called children of God. Lord, we pray, may you give us the boldness for us to proclaim your name. May you give us the boldness for us to point people to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only way to get to you. 
Jesus is the only way for us to go to, to eternity, for us to have life of abundance and eternity. Give us that boldness, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, whether here in person or online, that may you shape us. May you refine our characters, Lord. May you transform us, O oh, Heavenly Father. May you give us your character, your godly characteristics, O oh, Father God. May we love the people that are unlovable. May we be moved by compassion. But also, may we not compromise on what we believe in just for the sake of fitting with the rest of the world. May we stand by what we believe in. Oh, Lord, we thank you that you're good, that you're holy, that you're mighty, that you're sovereign, and that you are in control. Thank you for each and every person who's here right now and those joining online, our family online. Thank you, Lord, that you know each and every person by name. You know the numbers of hairs on our heads, Lord. That's how well you know us. I pray, oh, Father God, that if there's anyone who's, who's brokenhearted right now this moment, may you touch them, oh, Father God. May you touch them and bring healing and wholeness into their lives and body. If there's anyone who is in pain right now, mental health illness, physical health, emotional health, oh God, your arm is not too short to reach out to them. May you bring healing, Father. May you equip us, oh Father God, to be the men and women of God that you have called us to be and children of God. May our schools be transformed. May our universities and colleges be transformed because of our children. May our workplaces be transformed because of us, oh Father God. Help us, Lord. May Waypoint Church continue to be a church that shines so brightly, like a city on a hill. May Waypoint Church be known as the church of God. May we continue to be known as the church of God. Help us, Lord. We cannot do what you have called us to do unless if you are with us. And we acknowledge that we are useless without you and we are powerless without you. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in us. Have your way through us. Bless us as we leave this place. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.